Welcome back to the Black and Raw podcast. I'm your host, Tino Kuda Tondorai Von Zabaya. Now I ain't going to repeat that. Here is a show that is creating the dialogue and the space for black men to be their most authentic selves. My guest today is Tamuri. Tamuri is an author. She's a TED Talk coach. Uh, she does mentoring. Uh, she does mental health championing. She's just all around a wonderful woman and has done some amazing things. Um, and on top of that, she's also a mother of two kids who we talk about um, during this episode. Um, but enough about everything that she is, because I'm sure you guys are going to love it hearing her talk. Um, but today we also talk about raising up black boys um, the perception of young black men, um, the importance of childhood, um, how it's important how our behaviors influence children, being accountable for our actions. Um, I say our actions like I'm a parent, but like parents being accountable for their actions um, and being vulnerable and being open to making mistakes and owning up to those mistakes. So Tamiri brings a wealth of experience um, to this conversation and I'm sure you guys are going to love it. Um, but before we get started, um, I just want you guys to just do one thing for me. Um, take a pause, whatever you're doing right now. If you're driving, please don't take a pause. <laughs> um, breathe. And ask yourself, how are you doing? How are things going? How has your week been? Um, I'll leave you with that for a few seconds. All right. Um, that's awesome. Um, I hope you guys are okay. I hope things are good with you. I hope you had a good week or a good day or whenever you're listening to this. I hope things are good for you. Um, so let's get started with this conversation, right? Um, here is my conversation with Tamuri. Uh, welcome, Tamuri, to uh, the Black and Rural podcast. It's really good to have you on. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation. I'm excited. That's all right. It's all right. Um, when one of your team contacted me, I like after our chat, I just knew we had to get you on the podcast and have a conversation. So I'm glad you are here. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so we can kind of just, uh, just dive into, I guess, and, and I guess asking your questions. Um, so what is it kind of like raising up, um, raising up a black boy um, in society? Like, how have you felt? How have you felt that is? You know, it's difficult because, uh, you know, you have to have conversations uh, with them all the time on things that we shouldn't have to have conversations about, you know, even riding his bike to the store. We live in a predominantly white area. And that doesn't mean that all white people are prejudiced or that you have to look out for every white person. I, I wouldn't yeah. really equate that. I know some wonderful folks, but when you live in areas or um, you are in a society that is consistently marginalizing who you are as an individual, you have to teach your kids, specifically your sons, 
uh, specifically your darker pigment sons, how society tends to view them so that they know how to operate and they're not caught off guard with anything. It's important. Mm. So it's a necessary conversation. And uh, we've been having it since he was young. My son's 15 now. So it's, it's been a consistent yeah. conversation. So how, when did you kind of start, I guess, talking about race and talking about those things with him? Like, how did you sort of introduce that to, to a child? You know, I think around probably when he was eight years old. And I would say that because in school, they teach you uh, the regular black figures, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Malcolm X, you know, they teach you uh, and Harriet Tubman. Um, And that's because our history is not taught. It's not encouraged. So when you start having conversations about other individuals that they need to know in history and why it's important, the things that we've invented, because my son has aspired to be an engineer since he was about five years old. So I had to sure, yeah, to explain to him that there were other black people that were trailblazing and doing other amazing things and he would be in great company. And so when he would ask, well, why isn't that taught in school or just inquiring why he didn't know that from school one, it's my job as a black mother and a black parent to make sure my child knows about his or her history. That's my job. But um, the, the world doesn't teach you what they don't know, what they're not interested in. So then we have to have the conversations on why our history isn't taught, why we've been devalued, why slavery was allowed to go on for so long, why we still have the residue from Jim Crow. So those conversations have been needed and necessary since he was eight years old, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's kind of a sad conversation to ha- not a sad conversation, but like it's a conversation that sh- shouldn't need to be had, but it does need to be had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we shouldn't have to, especially with kids. Kids are innocent, right? Yeah. It's, it's the adults mixing up all the guff in the <laughs> stew. Right? The la- yeah. <laughs> the last thing you want to think about as a kid is race and all of these class and everything else like that, you know? Yeah, right. But unfortunately, especially with a lot of the social injustice and brutality that has happened, particularly to black men, black women as well. We have to have those conversations. You know, my kids predominantly don't have a lot of black friends. And so I have to explain to them oftentimes that you can't do what Johnny do because Johnny will make it home. You might get shot or you can't do what Becky does because you will automatically be assumed to be the aggressor, the one who did it, to whereas they'll give her the benefit of the doubt. So we have to walk those walks because we understand that society is still society, right? Yeah, so. yeah. It's, one of, it's one of those conversations also, like my dad had it with me quite young, is like, you have to work twice as hard to kind of get to the same places. And like, as a child, you're thinking, Oh, but why is that? I don't think he fully went into why. Like, now I know why. But yeah. I think just as a child, you're kind of like, oh, you already you already kind of have that awareness, you know? Right. And, and you have to do it with a balance because then you don't want them growing up hating anyone for something they didn't do, but that society wasn't smart enough to wipe out earlier. And so now at 47 and my son is 15 and my daughter's 14, they're navigating the crap from when my mother was a kid. We can't seem to get it right so that kids can grow up and just appreciate and love each other. We have to pass this stuff on because the stuff is continuously being passed down. So it's conversation. Unfortunately, we have to have and we try to have it as tender and gently as we can so that they don't have biases. 
But yeah. you better have a conversation if you have a black son. If not, I mean, to me, that's that's unfortunate and sad. Yeah. So how can so I guess how can I guess mothers or how can fathers kind of start those conversations? Like, what do you think that how they can open that just kind of worms up? Well, I think there's always room for black folks to have this conversation because I don't think we ever don't have it. I think what we don't do is go uh, a little bit more intensively into it, deeper into it to let kids know. So, you know, we'll say, listen, don't act the fool at school because you're in school with a bunch of white folks. We don't explain that oftentimes in school we're held back, left back, um, Un, they're not concerned as concerned about us as they are our counterparts because we're deemed stupid or, mm. um, you know, we don't care or they have an assumption about the families that we come from. So we oftentimes say, let's go to school. Don't act a fool. Don't make me look. But these are why you have to work just as hard to be considered just as good. And unfortunately, that's what I still tell my kids kids to this day. I have honor roll babies, but even being honor roll babies, it's still, you're in a society that you're a black honor roll kid. You're not just considered that you're a kid that's doing excellent and doing amazing things, but you're an honor roll student who's black. And so there still is something that comes with that. So you have to have the whole all around package, unfortunately, in some people's eyes, just to be deemed good enough to be subpar. And so- we need to have those conversations that when you go to school and unfortunately we shouldn't have to do it, but we do don't go to school acting a fool because they're going to assume. And who are this day? I just had a conversation with my friends. She's like, who is this day in there? <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but people who don't expect you to be something automatically assume you're nothing. Yeah. So you go in with your game on and be prepared to get your education, be the best worker on that job and and be the best at whatever you do because the assumption is you're nothing and you're nobody. Now, everyone don't have that assumption, but I don't have time to sit down and figure out which one of you like me and which one you don't. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. it's it's exhausting. (laughs) Like, no one's got time to be doing things like that, do they? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it's exhausting being Black. It really Mm. (laughs) is just the navigating existing in a world that just doesn't even think you should be here it's tiring it can be yeah yeah i remember when i remember when george floyd had got killed and like i was with my friends the following weeks after that and there was a a show that came on like a tv show that came on about a black killing and i was like guys can we not watch this just because like i could just feel it becoming heavy on me like i was just like i don't even want to really be thinking about it because even having to even people that saw that video like that's traumatic to be to be watching you know oh yeah absolutely and then you have to every time a new um police killing happens now you have to be on alert again about police you know because it's like for a second if you don't hear about it you start for a second not to have it in the front of your frontal lobe then the moment you hear it now i have to stop my son from going to the store on his bike again because i don't know if you know whoever that just got his badge is going to assume that you're walking into walmart to steal or you're going into you know this the, the mall to steal or something of that nature and then it becomes a whole heightened uh situation it is exhausting but so many other things are exhausting and you know listen we don't have a choice in our pigment so we're gonna be black yeah. Black to the best ability and show all the wonderful things that it encompasses and not what people think. So 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so how have you found, so how have you found raising up a black boy uh, being, uh, am I right to say that you're a single mother or? I am single, yeah. His father's yeah. very involved. We're divorced, yes. Okay, yeah. So mm-hmm. how so how is it sort of being, even though he is quite involved, I guess it's more just you most of the time. So how is that, how have you found that? Well, let me just say this, because I, I also, so here's a couple of things. One, um, my first husband, both of my kids are by my first husband. And before I got ready to experience uh, motherhood, I made sure that I was having children with a man that was responsible, that had Mm. respect for me, and that was going to be an honorable man. And I think that's some of the things that women do not always look at the totality, right? And so you fall in love with him, he cued, he whatever you think that he is, and he's never been daddy material. So now you got a bum who has no potential to be a father, doesn't know what being a father is about, is barely a good boyfriend, is probably never going to marry you. And so the, the all of those elements go into us raising children, how they feel important, how they feel protected. And so even with me and my uh, first husband divorcing, he stayed very involved with his children, very active with his children. He's there at all times. But that's what I sniffed out initially. You cannot expect your kids to be what they don't see. If they don't see love, acceptance, um, if they don't have a father who's involved, mothers have been raising kids on their own since the beginning of time. But the structure is a mother and father. So when you don't have a father for that child, you are leaving half of them with a void that something's going to take up trauma, mental illness, um, anger, aggression, something has to fill that other void. So for being a single mother, it was important before I even got to the point of being a single mother that the man I chose to father my children was an admirable man with integrity. And no matter what happened with me and him would always show up and answer the call of his kids. And that's been important. So, you know, I'm doing it alone, but I'm not doing it alone. I could call him at the drop of a dime and he's there, you know, and he's yeah. there. but his kids are important. We have responsibilities as mothers to make sure that our sons are nurtured in the who you have in their village, what that village looks like, what you're bringing to it and not just having babies and then saying, go figure it out. That's how we ended up with damaged men and damaged women, you know? Yeah. So I take it very serious. And my kids will tell you I'm me and their dad are, Active parents to be honest. Oh, yeah. You know, this is a, a luxury that we don't believe. Our kids are a luxury. Mm. And we don't have the, the benefit of destroying them because we can't get our stuff together if that is yeah. the situation. So no, they come first. Yeah, definitely. And like I think like childhood is so like you're so impressionable as a child. Like you even see the things that like there's things that I do now, which I see that I was like, oh, my dad does that. Oh, my mom does that. And like, mm-hmm. it, you pick up those habits. So like, you know, if you do have somebody that isn't going to be there for them, they're going to pick up some of these habits as well. They they really are. And just to stay in my second marriage, um, I was married twice. Mm-hmm. I married someone that I didn't know had severe mental illness and um, had a hit and drug addiction and that marriage was extremely short-lived um but what I realized and what got me out of it quicker was that if I did not leave that situation my how a man acts with women or operates with women 
or my daughter would think that it's okay for a man to disrespect and dishonor a woman. So no matter how you might feel about someone, your kids don't ask to be here and giving them a stable environment where it's love and it's protection and they feel like you got them at all times is the most important thing. That's what helps black boys grow up to be healthy, sustainable black men is their mothers and fathers making sure that no matter what comes, what may, that um, we got you covered and we are only going to look out for your best interest. And, and that's important. Yeah, definitely. And I think the important thing is that like raising up healthy black boys, because at the end of the day, we're going to be having relationships with women or men or whatever you, whichever way you swing, but like, right you're going to bring you're going to bring your person you're going to bring yourself to a new environment a new situation so yeah. like you've got to be careful about kind of what you're bringing in you know absolutely absolutely that's what i talk about um in my fourth book is um i i talk about my ex recent ex-husband and how he came from trauma and his mother abandoned him so he grew up hating women of course he's gonna hate women the woman who's supposed to be your first love tells you that you're nothing and walks off and doesn't look back so that's the damage we're giving you know kids they grow up to be destructive men and women and and it's not beneficial. And that destructive man or woman is going to marry your son or daughter. That's how I look at it. Am I raising my son to be a good husband to someone's daughter? That's the only way I look at it. And that goes for his manners, how he communicates his aspirations, how he deals with me, how he's a mama's boy, definitely. <laughs> but how he operates. Am I confident that I will hand him off to, let's say, your daughter and you be hot, proud of the man and the young man that he is. That's what it's mm. about. Am I giving you some of my leftover garbage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Or am I giving you a gem that's been curated for that's years right. and years? Yeah, yes. that, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's so important. Like, and I think that's something that's missed in terms of, I've never raised up kids, obviously. I'm, I'm young, but um, I mean, that doesn't stop me from, but I just don't have kids. <laughs> yeah, take your time. <laughs> yeah. but yeah i think yeah you like we need to make sure that people like kids are being given like the best that the best that the best environment that they can be in and obviously that's hard but you just try your best you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely i mean my mother did it with five kids um five. Four, boys, four boys i was the only girl in the youngest Wow. And, um, you know, she did it on her own. She worked multiple jobs. She worked hard and we had religious guidance. I think that also helped to kind of make sure we were sealed in and dialed in. But she didn't have men around us. There was no dysfunction, disruption in our home. We spent a lot of time together. We did on family trips. I think a lot of times a lot of the problems come when when women and I'm only saying women because I'm a woman are burning to be with someone. And so now you brought all these elements into your environment of where there could be or maybe is stability. And because you want a relationship, you don't look at everything. And um, I faulted myself for that, getting into a relationship with someone and not vetting him properly, not knowing that this is a whole apple a mess. And then I walked right into my kids. But recognizing the love that I have and and, um, not wanting them to end up damaged to the best of my ability, I walked it right back out. So it's Mm. it's just important. It's okay to make mistakes. We do all the time, but how do you cover? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What was it? 
what was that sort of experience like with your ex-husband, if you don't mind talking about it? No, um, I mean, I married someone and uh, he hit it well. He was a meth addict mm. and he, hit it. I didn't see it. I didn't look for it. I didn't yeah. see it. I didn't meet his family beforehand because I assure you, had I met a one of them, I would not have you gotten married. <laughs> so, so uh, what? PSA: Always meet the family. Always meet. <laughs> that is you the gonna... picture of what you're gonna get. True. <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, sure. Yeah, but you know, I, I could say that um, most of his aggression was towards me. He wasn't mean or abusive or anything to my kids. He'd had kids of his own that he'd abandoned, you know, and hadn't cared anything for. So he wasn't really interested. I think he hated women because mm. of his mother. And, and I didn't know prior to me, he'd been beating on women and he yeah. never put his hands on me, but he just, he did everything else that he could do. He was, you know, a lot of mental, psychological, you know, um, he was very sexually promiscuous and things of that nature. But, um, I, I think my kids didn't come from arguing and fighting. And yeah. um, I think the moment I knew we were done, 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 besides the fact that he ended up going and having an affair with someone who was HIV positive. Yeah. Um, wow. He, my son told me, and my son really cared about him a lot. He really did. He says, mom, yeah. it's time to go. He wow. said, we've done all we can do. He said, maybe you guys can be friends later. He said, but we've done all he, all that we can do. It's time to let him go. And How he was, was he was, I think he was about nine at the time. That is some next level emotional intelligence yeah. for a kid. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And that was it. That yeah. was it. I didn't look back. I didn't inquire. I didn't want to know why. I never looked back and never spoke to him again. And moved out, got my divorce, you know, went through all the drama that that has to entail. But um, it was necessary. It was yeah. necessary for my kids to know that this man who's somebody else's child don't doesn't trump you. Mm. No man could come in here and be more important than you. That's never going to happen. And, and you're growing up to be a productive young man or productive young woman. And so had I said, well, no, 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 that's my man. I'm gonna, then I would have been telling my kids that you don't mean as much to me. And he's being mm. destructive. And so, you know, I did what I needed to do and I haven't regretted a day of it. And, and my kids yeah. are thriving. They've been thriving. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's crazy to hear that your nine-year-old like was just yeah. kind of like now nah, it's got to go like I, it's just crazy like yeah <laughs> but kids but that just tells you um the kids are are, are humans right they're people mm. they have emotions and stuff affects them too so when parents shut their kids down and oh you don't know what you're talking about or or be seen and don't be heard you're telling yeah. a human being that you don't count you don't have a voice i don't value you and my kids are allowed to tell me what they like what they don't like they tell me what they don't like quite often but they are allowed <laughs> you not open pandora's box on that but they are allowed to express themselves to me because they are people most and foremost mm. so yeah definitely and i feel like that scene uh what is it seen not heard i feel like that can be really damaging towards kids as well like uh, like because it's because if you're Cause I know that I wouldn't say I wasn't seen or heard, but sometimes you're just kind of as a child, like you want, you say something, but then you just get shut down immediately. Yeah. And then you kind of like, Oh, well, I'm never just going to say anything anymore. Like as, right. as a kid, you just internalize that, you know? 
Yeah, well, you're telling a child at that moment that they don't count. I still struggle with that too sometimes because sometimes, you know, when I'll be having a, a conversation with my son particularly, um, he's really a genius. And um <laughs> He will have a be having a conversation and then I'll be like, well, I, I just said what I said and we're done with it. And yeah. I can see him getting frustrated. And then so I'll have to come back and say, OK, what were you going to say? Go ahead and say what you're going to say. <laughs> now we still gonna do it my way. But let me let you have your say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's going to still turn out my way. But yeah. making them feel they don't have a voice, um, I do think, like you said, then why even talk? You know, nobody's going to hear me. And so then if something really important comes up, now you've just traumatized them and maybe they're not going to say anything. So. Yeah, definitely. And yes, yeah, I, I, obviously people make mistakes. And I think as long as parents know that, they can always then kind of walk the line back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And be okay. Listen, when I got out of that second marriage, I set my kids down. I profusely apologized to my kids. When I say profusely, I mean just that. Yeah. I, because I had to apologize to them for walking this, this <laughs> human wrecking ball into their lives where they weren't accustomed to that. We, you know, they weren't accustomed to drug addiction and screaming and yelling and abuse and, and, and all of that foolishness. And so I had to um, apologize for not um, trusting myself better and not looking well after bringing someone in that I didn't vet properly. And I had yeah. to let them know that'll never happen again. Like that will never happen again, period. Mm. You know, so I, I needed for them and, you know, they forgave me, but they were like, well, you don't have to apologize, mom. I do. I'm mm. supposed to take care of you, not bring something in that could potentially be destructive to our family. And so mm. I believe in owning it, owning it and accepting my responsibility ability in that and that's important because that's what I teach them when you do something wrong you own up to it and you move forward and that was my bad that will not happen again yeah you've got to have that integrity to be able to just accept your mistakes and be like listen next it won't happen again and I guess like it teaches them to have integrity in their actions as well absolutely and be okay with making mistakes because it's human it's okay to, you know, that was one of the biggest things that I had to get past with myself is forgiving myself. I felt so stupid. And how could I have done this? And, and, and I've done all these amazing things. I've traveled all around the world. I ended up with a drug addict. Are we serious? But I had to remind <laughs> yeah. myself that I'm human and to human is to air. And that was okay. Now, what's not okay is if I continue that, but it's okay to make a mistake, get out of it and keep pushing yeah, there's a difference between making a mistake and then apologizing, but then realizing what you're doing and continue doing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's kind of where you then get, I guess, then is kind of the line of like, no, you know what you're doing and you shouldn't yeah. be doing that. Absolutely. And that's just foolishness. And so I, I, I think as an adult, you owe yourself more than that type of foolishness. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how have you kind of seen, I guess, how have you kind of seen your kids develop sort of after that experience? Well, I was in that marriage for about three years, a little bit less than three years. And um, I mean, they're good. Um, After, 
I think the good thing about it, and, and I have to say this too, is that I'm a very, you know, I, I love hard. So, um, and this wasn't that he was a great husband or great anything, but I was loyal to the fact that we were married and had he not, and I'm so thankful I'm putting this out there now, I'm so <laughs> that he dishonored me with another woman. I'm <laughs> But <laughs> gave you an out, didn't it? <laughs> I'm all thank you much, girl. He's all yours. But her, him having had done that with another dishonorable person, right? Because I mean, you know, uh, of all things, you know, he went into a mental health facility. You're going to sleep with somebody who's married and has mental health issues. You got a load of problems on your own, and you're a caseworker. Yeah, something's wrong on his own. But I would have continued supporting him and trying to love and help him to some extent. I needed my son, who was not his responsibility to come in and save me. I needed that. I needed to know that this man, and I didn't understand at the time, I, I knew he was bipolar disorder, schizophrenic, but I didn't know the, um, the levels of mental illness. I wasn't trained at that time. So all I knew was dishonor and, and I was being betrayed. And that was the worst thing to be. I mean, betrayal to me is like, stabbing me it's the worst thing yeah, but I'm so thankful for that because um what it's allowed me to help other women and men um it's allowed after we I got a divorce we never said his name again matter of mm. fact if we referred to him my kids called him Voldemort <laughs> we never said his name again I went to counseling because I was suffering from anxiety and I was mm. suffering. Now I'm living with it, but I was suffering from anxiety and PTSD because of his um, aggression and domestic violence. But um, we just made a pact that we move forward. We don't discuss him again. This was two years of our life. We won't get back, but it's not as long as it could have been. Yeah. I think we went to Disneyland and we started the progression for getting <laughs> us straight and not using or allowing any excuses to be the reason. Yeah. And um my kids have been soaring. We have open discussions. We had open discussions. Most of his conduct and behavior, the kids would be gone um, to their dads for the weekends. They didn't get to see a lot or experience a lot, but they yeah. saw enough. They saw yeah. enough. You know, he was strung out on the streets. We'd have to go dig him up under, you know, cardboard boxes and stuff. Yeah, he was a treat. So they saw enough. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know how to pick him? <laughs> uh, I'm opening I mean, up a dating site, ladies. <laughs> it's all right. Men, you know what the dating site is. You saw it. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Uh, yeah, no, like. I forgot. <laughs> I'm just still laughing in my head. I can't lie to you. It's Voldemort as well. That's another one too. <laughs> right, right. No, we vowed we would never say his name. That helped them to be able to. I mean, they saw him as evil. Yeah. Uh, they knew that that's not that's not how they ever saw their father treat me. We didn't come from anything like that. And um, uh, we just needed to move on from it. And. Um, I think it was a little hurtful to say his name at first because I didn't understand why he was so uh, hey he was so hateful towards me and then him and the woman together I guess two mentally ill people were um, trying to do things to sabotage me and all kind and I didn't understand why, why right. they would do that but once I start to understand and get educated on mental illness that's exactly what they do that was, he did exactly what they do and so what was he started off as hate turned to empathy 
Mm. So I, you know, I don't hate them, don't love them. You know, I felt this way for a long time. I don't, I don't think about him. I don't have anything to do with him. He's, he's tried to contact me several times. I don't engage, but um, empathy. I, I, I was able to see him as someone who really had childhood trauma that couldn't move past it. Yeah. And therefore he couldn't, he could have done better in some areas, but some areas he couldn't do any better than he did. But that wasn't my burden to carry on. No, that definitely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes there's some women that fall into the trap of being like, oh, I can fix him mm-hmm. and I can do this and that. And like, just like, that's just the wrong thinking at all. Like men that are bringing that shit to women's lives, like you yeah. also need to stop doing that. But women, yeah. you, you can't fix him. Like he's, he's not going to change unless they, he wants to change, you know? Yeah, I, I I really think um, I grew up with a lot of brothers. And so mm. nurturing is inherent in me. Yeah. Um, to a certain extent, but I grew up with a mother that was really nurturing towards her sons and catering to her sons. I didn't pick any of that up. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was um, easier for me to catch on, I think, to the, mm, did what I could. <laughs> you know, I mean, I stopped doing anything going to treatments with him mm. because of that mentality. But mine was more so I'm his wife through thick and thin, you know, good and bad, you know, sickness and 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 uh, death or whatever that you're supposed to do all these things as a spouse. My dedication was to the fact that we were married. Once I realized that someone in his condition would marry a chicken. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm not special. This marriage doesn't mean anything to him. He married a rooster up the street. Once I understood that then I could kind of really make more educated decisions on how to move forward, remove this from my life. But you have a lot of broken women that um, would prefer to hang on to that brokenness because the brokenness still represents something, not realizing yeah. it really doesn't mean anything. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I guess how can, how can as like men, like how can we kind of look at our relationships with our mothers? Because like it's the first relationship you've had with a woman, you know what I mean? So it's definitely going to have an effect on you. So like, how can we, I don't know, how can we maybe start to dissect those sort of things and understand it? Listen, I would say definitely um, men should have conversations with their mothers. The lack of understanding why some mothers or fathers operated the way that they did. My ex-husband, and I'm just going off of what I know, Mm. could never I don't believe have that conversation with his mother because she was never I think in a place mentally where she could own up to the fact that she had I mean a dog looks after his puppies right I mean a dog will have a litter and make sure that they're safe and that nobody can harm the litter you are mother you're having children and you basically hatch them and walk off and I think that's something hard to deal with and then the mother went and had kids with someone else and actually took care of them. What does that tell you as a young man? And so he clearly couldn't grow up having a strong uh, view of women, but not being able to have a conversation with your mother and say, this is how you made me feel. I felt abandoned, unloved. I didn't get the nurturing, the care. You know, I didn't feel you picked good men. When we as mothers are not able to have conversations and allow our children to have honest conversations with us, we are taking away their ability 
to be able to be human and speak for themselves. You're taking their voice away. Men need to have conversations with their parents and not have these fake relationships. Well, well, that's my mom. Well, I don't care if that's your mom. You coming and acting a fool with me, go get that to her. That was my <laughs> thought process. She abandoned yeah. you. I didn't. I'm here with you. Why are you cutting up with me? But he couldn't do that with her. Be comfortable yeah. having those conversations. And if you know that you're dealing with abandonment stuff, please go get you fixed. <laughs> do not call me talking about can I take you out on a date and you know you twitching and itching and if I say the wrong thing that you about to flip off at dinner go get you straight love yeah. you enough to know I want to bring myself to a woman where I can love her respect her and have a good relationship and this is not be another victim on my roster you know yeah get help mental health is the most important thing amongst black people. And we don't care for our mental health the way we should. And black men do not get the help that they need. And it's killing us, literally. It's killing us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, you've you've got to, like, yeah, as men, we can't be bringing our baggage to our relationships. And you'll you bring some, you're like, you bring some stuff, just like, I feel like there's just like normal baggage that maybe people have, but like the stuff of where you really probably have a lot of mommy issues or yeah. not to trivialize it, but you know, you've got to, you've got to have those conversations with your mom. Like I think thinking back on my relationship with my mom, like I, I would say we do have quite a strong relationship, but I think there's, I think there's things which I probably need to maybe just be brave about and be like, listen, I, we need to talk about this. Or whenever something comes up, just be able to say it. Because especially like for adult men, you're an adult now, you know? You're not a kid yeah. anymore. You're a big boy. You can sit down with your mom and have a conversation as adults. Yeah, listen, she is not going to pull out the belt and whoop you. And if so, I don't know. <laughs> but she should feel comfortable um, living in the truth of being an adult and knowing that you can speak your truth with no reprisal and um, parents need to feel comfortable hearing. None of us are perfect parents. You know, we're all just trying to get it right and not have our kids go through at least extensive therapy to the best of our ability. No one's perfect, but for parents not to be able to um, even have the notion that maybe you did something that um, was not okay for your kids. Where do you think that goes? That energy goes someplace else, most likely onto someone else. And it's important. I put my kids into therapy after that to have a conversation with someone that wasn't me in case they needed to talk to someone about that experience. And they felt like, well, we don't want to hurt mom's feelings. I was yeah. very comfortable with that. I want you to, and I made it very clear he and she will not come back and tell me anything. This is so you can be straight and we can move forward. You know, yeah. it's important that we we hone in on those things. So mm. do you think um, do you think therapy helps in terms of like uncovering sort of childhood trauma and things like that? I think it, it does. I know it does. Um, what I do know is that people have a really misguided view of therapy. And I will say that because I was um, hosting a mental health event on Clubhouse. And one of the young ladies was like, oh, well, therapy doesn't work. My therapist just sits there and listen. Well, what do you want them to do? <laughs> you know, no one wants someone telling them what to do. Your therapist should not be giving you day-to-day -day instruction. That's mm. inappropriate. Your therapist should be listening to you, help you figure out 
ways to change, alter, maneuver your thinking. They're not there to tell you what to do. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Why? Mm. Because I'm going to either reap the benefits or deal with the recourse of it. So I'm going to always do what I want to do. But helping you get there, that's something different. My therapist helped me to get there. Sometimes, I kid you not, I would be in a session and he would be talking. I would be talking, excuse me. And I would talk myself right into something reasonable. Like I would be saying something or telling him how I'm feeling. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now I just thought that through. I just thought that through. So now I see where either I went wrong or where I need to change that thinking. Your therapist is there to guide you, not Mm. talk you into anything other. And I think when you have someone who doesn't have a dog in the fight, that's the best thing that you can have. You know, He, he doesn't care. He's just there to help you. If you get the help, you get it. But he doesn't take sides. He or she doesn't take sides. So that was important for me. Mm, yeah. And at the end of the day, your therapist is probably just going to go back home and continue with their lives. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to bring the information back on you or use it against you or anything else like that. It's just a space for you to talk. I assure you, most of our lives are not that important that our therapist would be. <laughs> Uh, going to do anything with the information because I know I caught him a couple of times almost falling asleep. So I'm just <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sure you weren't boring to listen to. I'm very sure of that one. Right, right. <laughs> Definitely. Kept him laugh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so I guess going back to kind of our relationships with our mothers, like having the conversation is very important and how can I guess maybe let me flip it how can mothers be in a place where they can kind of accept that they may have messed up or they may have just like messed up because they're human you know what I mean like how can mothers get to a point in that stage I mean you know everyone's an individual Mm. um and I think if you start to see your kids as human beings and people as opposed to your children your spawn you know that has ownership with it you know your children your seed that 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 has you know I own you I owe you I gave you life I gave you this I gave you that um that has a, a different connotation to it but when you start to see them as human beings then you start to understand that they hurt like you hurt they feel like you feel and um, that it's not so far-fetched that we imperfect parents could do something that could maybe be lasting on our children. The problem is, is where the parents, the mother or father's maturity level is that they are able to process, receive that, acknowledge that, and then do something with it. I mean, that's where, you know, the question marks are. There's a lot of parents that have not lived, um, manageable lives and so now as they've got older um cannot process the fact that not only did you jack up your life but you jacked up all your kids some can't and so then i think that there's a process where an adult child needs to now say i'm only gonna be able to get so far with her i love this person this is my parent i would never advocate for anyone to cut their parents off unless it was something that was horrific but you have to now put a balance on and boundaries on that relationship if you don't have a parent that you can come to and say this is what affected me i need your support in getting better and they don't feel that that's a necessary journey for you then you better set boundaries because you're going to be living with that and and not processing Men in their 40s and 50s and women in their 40s and 50s still dealing with trauma from childhood. And you can't put that nowhere. You will put it somewhere. You just won't put it the appropriate place. So as parents, listen, I'm told, listen, mom, I didn't like how you said that. 
or you hurt my feelings when you die. I'm told that constantly. <laughs> you know? I told you to have a ledger. Yeah. And uh, I often have to go back and say, well, how would you have liked for me to disseminate that message to you? Or how would you have liked, or I have to explain the reason why I did this is because when I asked you to do this, you weren't responding. So let's make an agreement that we don't communicate like this with each other, but we respect each other. Having that communication so that they go up, grow up understanding, it's okay for me to pull somebody's shirt collar and say, I didn't like that you did that. I let them know that at school. If somebody do something that you don't like, you don't sit there and accept it. You let them know you didn't like it so that it doesn't continue. But you cannot force any parent to do anything. And you know your parent better than anyone if they are in that place and in that space where they will be able to receive that. And if they are not, you better put boundaries on that relationship because that will be something that that trauma is hard for people to get past that trauma. So Yeah. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Um yeah, getting past yeah, getting past childhood trauma and then it's hard enough already. And then when you have a parent that maybe doesn't isn't in the space to accept the responsibility yes. and to like help you move forward with it, that probably just hurts even more, I imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess it's, go on. No, I was just gonna say absolutely. Yeah, yeah, then you're stuck. So it's your job to unstick yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you yeah. do? You don't move emotionally. No, you move emotionally. You figure it out and, and um you you figure out what that is for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think like adult men and adult women, I guess they need to kind of understand how they can put boundaries in. Um, and I guess it can just be as simple as, listen, let we don't talk over the phone or whenever we talk, we talk in person or I don't know, things like that, I guess, could be helpful. Yeah, definitely. Or certain topics that you stay away from. Um, mm. It's very hard for me to have a fake relationship. I'm a very upfront person. So if I have to tiptoe around stuff, I probably won't communicate with the person because I'm not, a good <laughs> yeah. you know, and so it it becomes a matter of what's important in a relationship you value. And then sometimes in order to keep relationships going, um, you go get therapy and you don't address certain things and you just set up your boundaries. I know I can't deal with this with them. And sometimes people who are the worst parents end up being the best grandparents. So mm. sometimes that's a flip and the kids don't understand. Well, how are you good with my kids? But you're horrible with me. Well, that's the makeup game for some. I was horrible yeah. with you. I can't even acknowledge it or process it. But I'm going to be great with my grandkids and I'm going to give them what I couldn't give you. And maybe it's a it's a little something. But sometimes something is something as opposed to having nothing. And then they don't yeah. have anything to do with your kids or they're worse with your kids. So sometimes that uh, retribution comes out in different ways. We have to be receptive to seeing it as such. Mm, yeah. And I guess we like have to have the maturity because I imagine watching your mom be amazing with your kids is like, it's like, what, what are you doing? Like, this is not like, I've even seen in a TV show where that has happened and the character flips out, but like, I'm sure that happens in real life where people are like, no, that's not fair. You think, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and that's where it becomes our responsibility, you know, um, as the person who becomes the adult child, to take care of you. Now the onus is on you to make sure that you're straight. You're grown. You know there's some residue from your mom and daddy. You know that you can't have stable relationships. You in love every second, second days, seven days. Mm. You know there's some stuff going on. It's yeah. your responsibility now to get you straight. So you can process that. 
because, you know, it's one of two things. If your parents weren't good with you, then they're either going to be better with your kids. They aren't going to be better with your kids. Now you have to make an educated decision, but to sit in trauma and not to move past it because it's the longest relationship that you've had is Mm. being angry and traumatic. That's not healthy. And you can't blame your parents at 50 for what they did when you were six, when you didn't get the help to be able to move past that. Because what you're going to do, blame them for the rest of their life. What what are you going to get from that? What's going to happen from that? Your life is going to be jacked up, not theirs. They're moving on. Yeah. It's about how you take that, accept the responsibility, and you start being accountable for your own life and be glad that they're better grandparents. Because you'd be mad at that if they weren't. So it's, you know, it's about really taking um, control of your own life and loving you. Because once Mm. you love you, everything else is really everything else. Yeah. Yeah. They say that you can't, you can't love other people until you love yourself. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's something which I guess I've been like, you hear it first, but I guess at at one point I didn't understand it, but I kind of understand it more now that like, if you're able to show yourself love and compassion, like then you can go and do it to somebody else a lot easier. But if you mm-hmm. can't do it to yourself, how, like how are you going to be loving to a person if you can't even talk positive about yourself or you can't even love features about yourself? Well, that is true. And then you have individuals that love is hate and hate is love. I used to say mm-hmm. that my, my ex-husband, um, to care about him would anger him. You know, he was so, you know, years of drug addiction and um, dealing with, you know, an abusive father and um, an, a mother that abandoned him and, um, you know, really family that didn't show up, you know, for him. Um, that's what he knew. And mm-hmm. and anger was his probably his I, I said anger was his best friend and meth was his mistress. I mean, but actually, meth was his wife. I was the mistress in the marriage. I didn't know. I mean, yeah. that was the longest relationship he had, and he loved it. So, yeah. you know, when you're dealing with things of that nature, some people don't know to be able to move past that because that's normal for them. That That's real. That's their life. Yeah. You know, it takes a special awareness and ability ability to want to be better in order to be better. And and like you said, if you can't love yourself and some people don't know they're not loving themselves because that's all they've seen or they grew Mm. up in trauma, but loving yourself really is the first love that you should have. And then everything else should be an example of how much you love yourself. You're absolutely right. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's, you've just pretty much summed it up as well. Like quite magnificently, uh, that didn't come out properly, but yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you sort of think about like black masculinity and black femininity? Um, like, what someone told me once that they think is one of the same coin, and I thought that was quite interesting to think about. Um, but I wanted to kind of ask from your perspective, like, what do you think on it? Um, so here's, I have a boy and a girl, so I'm going to give you both spectrums of it. Um, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. The world is changing so much. Listen, it's changing far quicker than I can catch up to it. Mm. Um, and it's full of a lot of different, um, creative things (laughs) that I'm trying to navigate. (laughs) Um, I have caught myself telling my son about being more manly Mm. and, um, I don't think think it was my mother that told me don't say that to him Um, because that puts a fake 
um, machismo in his mind, if you will, that makes mm. him think that he has to um, live up to some expectation of what it means to be a man or what a man is. Not all men are hardcore. So I grew yeah. up with, with boys who were, you know, guys, boys, <laughs> men, you know? Boys, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my son who doesn't like to play sports and who wants to be an engineer and who's into science and who plays chess and who's into robotics and who wants, uh, you know. He's nerdy, I love it. <laughs> he's, and he's a proud nerd. Yeah. He's not into that. And so we've processed it now in scale and whatever that encompasses and however he he decides to process that. He's not walking around lifting weights. No, his cousins come over. He's not playing basketball. He has no interest in that. He wants to go play chess or he wants to. That's OK, too. I think there's too much emphasis on what it means to be a man or what it means, you know. And um, the same thing with my daughter. You know, she's a little bit more girly, girly, but then she went through a phase where she was tomboy and I didn't understand that and I'm like what the deuces are you doing why are you wearing a this and a bit what what's going and, on and so then I had yeah um, so and then I had to release re, re, you know release that I grew up with boys I was climbing trees and playing with transformers I was always a Decepticon let me just say um, <laughs> but I didn't grow up being girl I didn't have dolls I didn't I I was you know used to play with the youngest boy in my family we used to play cars with Mattel cars so yeah. it's hypocritical for me to turn around and tell them that this is what a woman does or this is how you grow up to be a woman or you you know you're extra feminine and all of those different things I'm feminine but I'm not overly feminine you know, yeah. it's so it's okay for my son not to walk around lifting weights and drinking a Red Bull. I mean, I don't know. That's, what <laughs> <laughs> that's just not who he is. Yeah. <laughs> just walking down the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I just think it's um it's a fake, it's an extra layer of something that we put on people. Mm. Or thinking your kids gotta play um uh football. Because they're boys. Look, you're not running on the field hitting my son. It's gonna be an all-out brawl. You know, <laughs> it's a, there's different ways. There are some men that are sensitive. I have a friend who's very sensitive, and and you know he's a good-looking, tall, you know, masculine guy, but he's not overly masculine. So mm. I think it's um, not putting all these labels on people and making them feel like they have to live up to some standard. Because if that's the case, none of us are going to live up to the standards. If our our you know our noses are wide, if our lips are big, if our we don't live up to the standard already. I just yeah. want them to be healthy, well well adjusted, and not to fall into that mess. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And I think I think on that part, um, I also kind of ask you one sort of final question um, because I think that, yeah, I think that's so important. And I think the final question I ask you probably leads in a little bit into this. Um, but if there's kind of like a young black boy kind of like discovering their masculinity, uh, what do you think is something that you know or something that this conversation can kind of like add to like an understanding of black masculinity? I mean, be yourself. There is no definition of that. You don't, you're not required to be anyone. And, and um, masculinity is subjective, isn't it? 
because you can see somebody who's extremely buff and um, he not be masculine. That's just his outer physique. There's, you know, that that's fakeness. And if you really love yourself, don't hold yourself to imperfect standards that someone has created for you and has determined this is how you look good. I believe that I'm beautiful because that's how I feel, not because anyone tells me, but because the totality of me as a person. So you are not required to live by anyone's standard of anything other than what makes you feel good, what gets you up in the morning, what makes you happy and the things that are helping you to thrive in the life everything else is an opinion and opinions do not pay yeah true yeah definitely um so on that one um i'd like to say thank you for coming on to the podcast and bringing your wealth of experience and knowledge like it's been really good to talk to you thank you so much for having me i always appreciate talking to you this is so much fun i know it's a little extra silly but i am sometimes (laughs) <laughs> I don't worry, man. I love being silly anyway. I'm still a kid at heart, to be honest with you. So I'm yeah. all for it. Absolutely. Definitely. Thank you. It's all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Marine for coming on to the podcast. Um, thank you for bringing your wealth of experience and knowledge to the conversation. And I'm sure the listeners got something really great out of it. Speaking of the listeners. Yes, you listener. Thank you very much for listening throughout this whole episode. Um, I really hope you got something out of it. I hope it brought value to your life. And I really hope that you can now go and maybe think about the relationships you have with your parents. Or even if you're an adult, how can you... I mean, even if you're a parent, because you can still be a child and still be a parent. But we're not touching on that here. Uh, parents, you can go and figure out your relationships with your children and maybe how you can foster an environment where you can communicate about um, whatever, really, whatever is important to you guys. So I really hope that you guys are able to take something away from this episode. And um, thank you very much. So also another thing I wanted to say was um, I've signed up for this uh, community thing. Uh, it's called Zippy uh, and you can get bonus content um, such as my afterthoughts on episodes, uh, me editing episodes um, and some other stuff I've got in the pipeline. So there'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, it'll be under Zippy if you just follow that and then join the Black and Rural community um, and we'll be able to engage a bit more as well. So I think that'd be really good if you guys could click on that. And yeah, join the Black and Roll community. So I don't have anything else. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Um, If you want to get into contact with me, speak at blackandroll.co.uk or follow me on Instagram and Twitter at blackandroll. And yeah, that's everything, guys. Uh, Have a good week. Have a good day. Stay blessed. And we'll talk soon.